Good morning, church. You can take a seat. Uh, my name's Matt. For those of you that don't know me, I think probably you've at least seen my face around. Um, I'm filling in this week uh, as a lot of our pastors, or all, or all our pastors, not all our pastors, all our male pastors are on um, uh, retreat. And so uh, Mark asked me to fill in, and I kind of got like uh, a one-off, uh, is what I call him. But like, uh, you know, we're in the series of uh, Thessalonians, and uh, <clears throat> every once in a while, you, you go, you go guest preach somewhere, and they say you can you can continue with the series, or you can just do what you want. So I said I'll do what I want. Um, and uh, actually, he just said do what you want. That's that's what he, that's what he said. Uh, he said we don't want you to preach Thessalonians. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, I decided, you know, sort of, uh, to go with the Psalm, you know, Psalm 46 specifically. Um, uh, I think it's a Psalm, uh, that is massively appropriate given what we see every day right now. Um, so, uh, if you can or want to, or will, um, turn to Psalm 46, Google it, search it, whatever you have to do, or read it on the screen. I'm going to read it right now. Uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams, glad, uh, whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord, I thank you again for this morning. I thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your grace, uh, that those things are new every day. Uh, I thank you for your son and the work of the cross and the spirit that dwells within us. Uh, I thank you for the worship that we get to participate in. I thank you for a place to gather. Um, Lord, none of what we experience in you, uh, none of it, we're, we're not worthy of a, a single moment of it, but you and your kindness ha have brought us to your kingdom. I pray for our hearts to be open to your word, uh, that uh, what I have to say this morning is uh, m moves our hearts closer to you, uh, despite the, uh, the unworthiness of the vessel carrying the message, Lord, we pray that your, your work would be accomplished, and we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus, amen. So, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm a doom scroller. I don't know if you guys know what a doom scroller is. Uh, uh, doom scrolling is the act, I, you, you, can, you can Google it, it's got a Wikipedia entry. It's the act of spending an excessive amount of time, of screen time, uh, devoted to the absorption of, of, of uh, negative news. 
Uh, they call it doom scrolling because you're literally scrolling through the doom. Uh, and I'm full-blown like addicted uh, to, to making sure I know about all the things happening in the world, all the worst things, sometimes the good things, but mostly just the bad things. Uh, and uh, I mean, like I'm in my car, uh, I'm probably in my car 20 to 25 hours a week. I'm a sales guy uh, and it's just driving, 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 driving. I listen to podcasts uh, on my lunch break. I read the sub stacks. I, I check the Twitter feeds. I, I, I'm like minute by minute keeping up to date with whatever's happening. Uh, and uh, studies have shown that, that people who do this, uh, they want to seek out more information on topic. And it creates a self-perpetuating cycle where you have a question and you want an answer and you assume getting it will make you feel better, but, you know, it doesn't. So you keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling uh, and then sometimes you just feel worse afterwards. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure some of you have checked WebMD and been like, you know, you have leprosy. And you're like... <laughs> uh, but because of social media algorithms, like... Uh, that register what you're engaging with, like it, it's even more intense. I've been doing this since like literally like September 11, September 12th, let's say September 12th, 2001. I've been like every day, did anything crazy happen today? And it's just gotten more engaging because these things right here. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but lately the quality, I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but the quality of the doom scrolling uh, has become exceptional. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I have the whole world of current events in my pockets. And I, I don't really think <clears throat> that we're meant to experience everything that mankind is going through, like good or bad, while I'm like drinking my coffee in the morning. But that's what I do. I do it anyway. You know, Russia bombs Ukraine. They bomb a Ukrainian hospital. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party is committing genocide. Uh, a police officer somewhere in middle America shot a black kid to death, an unarmed black kid. Uh, and here's a photo of the highest gas prices in the United States. And, and don't forget that we were in a 20-year war with Afghanistan, and the pullout was a fiasco, and, and also uh, COVID. You know, that's still a thing, I guess, right? And so you're like, uh, you know, just taking it in all the time, all the time. At these levels, like, we're just, we're not meant to. And I, 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 why do I do it? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe it's as simple as wanting to have some control of my life, like in the midst of like really uncontrollable circumstances. Uh, like if I take enough info in on the worst news of the world, I'm, I will at least be like, like slightly prepared uh, when the worst comes my direction. Uh, I think I also use it like as like proof of total depravity. Uh, like it's a confirmation that all our hearts are awful. We're horrible people. We're just as God said we were. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. Uh, we're far from God. We don't seek God. No one seeks God. Uh, and a lot of people treat the problem of evil, which is, you know, a good God exists. How could a good God exist if evil exists? Uh, as like a proof for the non-existence of God, and I tend toward treating it as a proof that mankind, humankind, left to our own devices, uh, will always revert back to our worst selves. And I treat it as a reminder of our desperate attempt to determine our own destiny while denying God's place in our hearts. And sometimes in my more spiritually constructive or conscious moments, 
uh, I doom scroll uh, to force myself into a posture of prayer. Um, all people face suffering, all, all of us. I mean, everybody in here, everybody out there, we all face suffering on some level, but few people, like, like in the history of the world, uh, suffer less than like uh, a white middle-class male in Roseville, California in, in 2022. Uh, uh, I have never wondered where my next meal is coming from. I've never had to worry if I have clean drinking water. I've never had to worry about a place to sleep. Um, no, nothing uh, in, in just your basic needs, the, the, the very base level of, of what it requires to keep living has ever been short for me. I've never come up short on those things. So I do this, uh, and it reminds me to pray. Like, out there in the world, there are situations and things happening that people uh, need, where people need Jesus desperately in that moment. They have needs that need to be met, and it draws me to pray, to plead with God to make his name known to the ends of the earth, to ask that he remember his people, to ask him not to tarry too much longer in returning, to ask him to make all things new. And whether you're like me or not, I'm sure there's some in here. I know there's some because I know some of you. Uh, uh, whether or not you're like me where you're just doom scrolling uh, through uh, you know, the last three years, uh, we all, every single one of us, recognize that there's something seriously wrong in this world. The weight of the world and what we see, what we experience, it, it just lays heavy upon our hearts. And sometimes joy, rejoicing, it just escapes. It just seems to escape. How can I, we, not give ourselves over to despair? And I believe the most important thing I can do is to dwell on the sovereignty of God, on the very nature of God. Searching scripture and looking for those verses that tell us who God is, what he's accomplished. And I think the psalmist here in Psalm 46 would back me on that. So let's look at those verses again. God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Uh, there's two stanzas and a refrain in this psalm, and this is the first. And the next part about the river uh, is the first stanza. And the first stanza here paints a picture of like a wildly apocalyptic scenario. It, it kind of calls back really to the flood, uh, to when the mountains were literally swallowed by the sea. Um, like think complete, complete environmental collapse. You walk outside, there's earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanoes. Uh, like if you walked outside to get in your car in the morning, the sky was orange and there was ash raining down like California in August or September. The point of the psalmist is making is that should the world around you crumble into the very heart of the sea, should everything we know and love disappear and the landscape change, we will not fear because we are presently dwelling with God. That verse says, a very present help in trouble. 
And that can be translated as uh, abundantly available. That God is constantly present and abundant in his willingness to be with us. Though the earth gives way, though disasters crush our way of life, we have an eternal hope. And the psalmist continues, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The psalmist continues to paint this picture of hope, writing about the city of God. That's the place where, where the people of God dwell with their Lord. And he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the people of God. Uh, the imagery the psalmist uses is pretty common in the Old Testament. Uh, the idea that those who trust in the Lord uh, are like strong trees planted by streams. Uh, Jeremiah 17 has a verse in it and uh, says those who trust in the Lord essentially are like a tree planted by the stream. Uh, it doesn't fear the heat. It stays green all year long. There's a sense where this tree, despite the weather conditions around it, is safe because it's by this flowing, fresh body of water. And whether the psalmist, the psalmist uh, uh, meant to or not, this verse foreshadows the Holy Spirit. It all... Uh, in John 4.14, 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman of the well, and, he, and she's there because she's thirsty, he says, uh, he says but he offers her a drink of water. He says, whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, the writer of the psalm is emphatic in his description of God with his people. Despite present circumstances, the people of God are safe within the city of God, drawing water from a stream that wells up into eternal life. And as we wait for the morning to dawn, we are filled with the hope of the Holy Spirit, God himself dwelling in our hearts with us. And this is where we're at right now, today. If you've, if you've believed in Jesus, you are Stamped with the guarantee, Ephesians 1, you're stamped with the guarantee uh, of eternal life through the Spirit. Dwelling with you now, waiting for the morning to dawn. And we're looking forward to a hope of a heavenly kingdom, despite present circumstances. Uh, some consider this naive, and I, I kind of find it hard to argue with them sometimes. Um, the idea that everything will be okay when we get to heaven. Uh, it doesn't feel like an answer for the here and now uh, sometimes. And my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, growing in her faith, and she asks tough questions. And I, I love that she asks tough questions. But she's expressed her frustration with God lately because he would allow something as awful as war and I, I try, you know, try to answer these questions as rationally and, and completely as you can. Uh, I try to justify the condition of the world. This is man, this isn't God. And light, you, you try to justify that condition of the world in light of the claim that God is good and gracious and he exists. Um, but those answers, if you don't have the spirit, if you don't 
if you don't cast your faith on Jesus, those answers sound hollow. And I'll admit it, they do sound hollow. Like it's, it's hard to express. You, you have to believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Paul writes in Romans 1 that the righteousness of God is revealed in Christ from faith to faith, or faith begets faith, or belief leads to deeper belief, which leads to deeper belief, which leads to deeper belief. I wouldn't want anybody to deny the deep questions. Uh, I think it's silly if we pretend like we have answers for the problem of evil that should satisfy unbelievers or even people struggling with their belief. But our engagement with the Holy Spirit and our daily struggle is what will we get, will, will we get beget more faith and that eternal spring of life that wells up inside of you. Verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. The psalmist has established God's sovereignty over the natural world, and he moves into the stanza about the rule of God over the nations. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. In my life, I have never experienced like a geopolitical landscape that, that, that seems this unstable. Um, my first memories of the Cold War are, are like the Berlin Wall falling and, uh, and, and people lining up to go to McDonald's. Like, it was over. Uh, there have been serious conflicts since then. But this one, like, feels big. Mainly because, you know, nuclear weapons and a guy that seems to have lost his mind a little bit with his finger on the trigger. Uh, it, 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 it's unsettling in a way that other conflicts haven't unsettled me. Uh, and the political leadership, like not just ours, not just Democrats and not just Republicans, like all of it across the board is just like for 20 years, it's just terrible, maybe longer. I can't think of anyone any leader that has inspired any level of hope or confidence uh, that they could handle a situation like what's happening in the world today with Ukraine with anything resembling strength and honor and wisdom. Uh, and all of a sudden, right, in the midst of this like insane conflict, uh, like a, sh a short, funny, weird comedian from Kiev pops up on my Twitter feed and, and, and he's leading his his people against this, 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 this monster that every politician for the last 20 years has refused to stand up to. And it like, I finally understand why Israel was like, Lord, give us a king. Give us somebody to stand up to our enemies. I understand why the Jews in the first century weren't waiting for Jesus who, who would come and, and give his life, but they were waiting for a Messiah that would conquer the Romans. I understand because in this moment, I want this guy to march his army across Russia and just take control. Because I want it to end. I mean, when that guy got on, when Zelensky is his name, when he got on, uh, on the news and said, I don't, uh, you know, the U.S. offers him a ride out of the country. He says, I don't need a ride, I need bullets. I was like, oh, yeah. 
And it seemed, this, this illustration may seem trite because it's, it's from fiction, but I, I, I immediately thought of um, Boromir uh, from Lord of the Rings dying. You know, he's dying on the side of the river, and, uh, and, and he, he says to Aragorn, who's going to be the future king, right? Uh, the world of men will fail, and all will come to darkness in my city to ruin. And Aragorn responds, I do not know what strength is in my blood, but I swear to you, I will not let the white city fall, nor our people fail. And Boromir responds, I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. And it may sound stupid, but that's like how I felt. I would like, I'd follow this guy. I'd follow this guy. Because he's like, there's, there's hope, there's strength, there's honor, there's a willingness to lay his life down for his people. And we all know a situation. We know how desperate, we know how hopeless, how just overwhelmingly impossible. And, and I mean, he looks it straight in the face and says, I'm going to do what I can to end this, or I'm going to die trying. And we want to we see so desperately a victory for, you know, the good guys. We want someone to stop the madness. We want someone to stop us from going further down this path. We want hope. And, and, and you know, we don't know the outcome, uh, outcome of this current conflict. Uh, we pray for the best possible but sadly, no matter the outcome of the next few years, the next century, the next millennium, uh, we know the nations will continue to rage. We know the kingdoms will totter. We know that even if the Zelenskys and the Churchills and the Gandhis and the Lincolns rise up and, and lead humanity out of darkness, that season's going to pass. And the leaders will show up who fail. It happened in Israel David, and then just the kingdoms just split, and the, king, the kings became worse. Uh, the desperate, the broken will continue to be victimized. Humanity just seems to be endlessly stuck in this cycle of suffering. So where does the joy come from? The joy comes from knowing that the Lord of all resides with his people over every leader and army and weapon we see. And the absolute best news is that somewhere around 2,000 years ago, Jesus brought the good news of the kingdom of God to his people. He showed them the joy found in casting all their cares on him. He gave them a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light. And he went to face the devil himself at Calvary, crushing the head of the armies of darkness. And upon his resurrection, his people were given his spirit as a guarantee of eternal life. It assured that not a single sparrow falls to the ground without God allowing it. God is over all and in all and is never removed, even from the greatest of human tragedies. And because of this, we can have joy. When I had cancer... I spent 14 months lying on my living room couch. Ten months of that, wasting away, four months sort of coming back to life. And the struggle of, uh, quote unquote, terminal, obviously not terminal, but terminal uh, illness, is, is it's not like as dramatic as you think. Um, like it wasn't like a fight. I'm going to fight this. It was just like laying there for 14 months. Uh, it was kind of boring, actually. Uh, more boring than anything else, but it does allow for a degree of, of pensiveness. 
uh, a lot of time to think, to uh, realize your own mortality and be okay with it. Uh, to trust in God or not. A lot of time to think. But I watched as I was laying on my couch, and I watched as I could look out my window here, and there's two trees, and there's a birdhouse, and the top of one little tree over here. That was basically my view for almost about 14 months. And you watch as the leaves would fall off the tree. I was there from the fall of 2012 to uh, the spring of 2014. Uh, the leaves fell off the trees. The skies turned gray. Rain fell. The temperature dropped. The branches, the dead limbs broke. They scattered. Then I watched as temperatures rose. And a group of finches, uh, which is called a charm, I learned that this week, a charm of finches came and sheltered there for about three days during February. They just came in and they would just dart, just dart around the trees for about three days and they'd fly across the street, come back, dart around the trees, about three days and then they moved on. And I watched as the trees began to bud and as scrub jays laid eggs in the little birdhouse next to, next to the trees. Then I watched as the heat wore on in the summer months and everything browned and died, I watched the cycle repeat and I watched the finches return. Uh, and as my world, not just my world, my wife's, uh, my children, as my world fell apart with cancer, I watched as the Lord ordered everything around me according to his will. And that's what brought me peace. And now a year rarely goes by when I don't see those very same things and rejoice that God has seemed fit to continue his work despite my inability to believe that he would do so, despite my circumstances and my fears. Uh, very few things cause my heart to rejoice oh. as walking out to my car on a February morning and hearing that same group of finches that returns to those branches over my head carrying on as always participating in the work of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. How can the people of God be still and know that he is God. Cease striving. Be still. Can tr translate just as that. Cease striving and know that I am God. In the midst of a situation, I mean, right now, geopolitically, globally, feels like it's on the brink and it's like all I can handle mentally. The only thing we can do is be still and know that he is God. Cease our striving. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in all the earth. I mean, we long for control. Maybe I can doom scroll my way through this entire conflict, gain enough understanding, uh, some semblance of control, know how to act if this thing happens. Maybe I can just have enough knowledge that I can, I can work through this mentally or emotionally. Uh, or maybe the right king, maybe the right leader will, will rise up and he'll stop wicked men from dominating the earth. 
Maybe mankind can gather just enough to control that we can turn the tide. And it all ends up being a fool's errand if the end result is not that we turn our eyes upon Jesus and what he has accomplished on the cross or upon the Father who sustains existence with his mighty hand and upon the Spirit who dwells in our hearts and provides us peace. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And the only place to turn is to the Lord who exists over all of it. The one who's a very present help, a safe place, an armored place, present in the moment of affliction, abundantly available for help. Where are we safe? In that refuge, in the fortress of the eternal God that is always present, even in the midst of devastation. Though the mountains should melt into the heart of the sea, though the earth gives way, we watch the work, the work of the Lord through our window. I think one of the most enduring images of this conflict is uh, these farmers that are finding these empty Russian tanks and hooking them up to their tractors and towing them to their barns. Uh, it's hilarious. Like if you if you look at it, it's it's just it's it's cracks you up. Here's a guy owns a farm, a tank breaks a tank gets either abandoned or breaks down or something. Hooks his tractor up, drags it across his field, and like this become this whole meme around the internet. And you know, I saw I saw one. It's better to show you the meme, but I didn't do that. So, uh, it's the Russian ships out in the ocean running from the tractors that are coming across the water. Uh, but the reason I like this image. This, this, this thing that's happening, even though it's in the middle of a circumstance that's just abominable. Uh, it reminds me of Micah 4, the mountain of God, when, when Micah says, he shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall lift up, shall not lift up nation. Nation shall not lift up the sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And I just have this hope and this vision. Maybe, I don't know, 30 years down the road, you're watching some news footage or maybe you're even in Eastern Europe and you see a farmer plowing his field with a Russian tank. And in that moment, you will be like, wow, like the promises of God endure past this conflict. And so, you know, it's a, maybe it's a silly prayer, but that's what I'm praying. Let's pray. And then I'm going to invite Chelsea up. Lord, we thank you for this morning again. And we thank you for our time gathered in your word and worship. I pray that Chelsea would come up and lead us in a powerful time of reflection on uh, the work you've accomplished in your son and in Psalm 46. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.